Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by Rob Casty. Rob, how's it going today? It's going, man. It's, you know, another day, another uh, podcast. How are you? I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna stop asking you how is it going first because you're always in a you always are like sullen right out of the gate. Uh, Very subdued and always like you know I'm not I'm one that works myself up into a peppiness. And right, I, I know. Start, I started a four and then you know I end the show like a nine. Well, we're trying to get people to keep listening, not be like oh some depressed guys on there. Let's cut it. Let's just shut it off. <laughs> Um, it's a podcast with a depressed guy and another guy that yells at strangers. Well, boy, guess what we got. I got something to talk about later in the show about that. You do. Um, And then, of course, you heard Nick talk earlier. Nick Kruger, our Texas analyst. Nick, how's it going today? Uh, uh, Rested and relaxed and ready to get back into uh, the wonderful world of football recruiting chatter and all those things. Yeah, it's vacation season. Nick was gone last week. I will be. Oh, boy. I'm about... uh, Nine days away from being uh, in lovely Greece, so it's I can't. Must wait. be a nice situation here. Yeah, boy, Italy, as my mom would say. Does your mom <laughs> say it that way, Rob? Or no? Uh, yes, yes, she does. <laughs> so something with uh, Italian Americans from New York say Italy instead of Italy. I don't get it. And then uh, Greece. So it's a big summer for me. Lots, lots of, uh, lots of trips. So. Anyway, we want to remind you, please, please, please go on iTunes, leave us a review. I'm thinking we might even do a well, – I guess I shouldn't say this because I'm trying to get people to leave reviews. We might do a contest later where we have people leave reviews and then uh, we give out some type of prize. We pick a random winner. So uh, if we do do that, it will date back to today. So please leave a review. It helps us with placement on iTunes and we're headed into college football season. So we want to get pushed up, get us back on the front page. That would be great. Now, guys, it's kind of a slow time, not a ton going on, but we did have uh, some news at the beginning of the week, or I guess it was on Tuesday, official offer letters going out. This is something that's always interesting because we see a lot of people or a lot of kids that claim offers, and uh, when it comes down to it, a lot of times those offers don't roll in, at least in an official capacity. So, Rob, why don't you kind of explain to us what the cutoff is there and and kind of what it means essentially because they're official but they're actually not official because they're not binding right yeah it's you know it's semantics as everything in recruiting is uh so up to this point where they sent out those letters that maybe you saw on rivals.com woody compiled a bunch of them um put them on the front of the site every offer is just verbal right so it really means nothing uh you can offer seven thousand kids if you want doesn't mean you have to take their commitment and this really doesn't change anything i mean you still don't have to accept the commitment except you know it does help to show is this school really interested in me if you're a prospect, right? If you have a verbal offer that you got your sophomore year from Alabama and you haven't heard from them since, you're probably not getting one of those letters in the mail and that's probably your sign that that offer is not good anymore or was never good. Uh, So I guess it helps in that manner. But, you know, from an overview, it's still all make-believe. I mean, (laughs) they can still, you know, even if you decide to accept that uh, official offer that you got in the mail, they can still be like, nah, so, you know, it doesn't mean anything. I guess it means more than the verbal offers, but in the grand scheme of things, it's still, you know, relatively meaningless. Yeah. Now, do we want to play now Blair, Blair Sanderson, who's uh, at Blair Rivals, uh, who covers Iowa for us, uh, put out a tweet uh, last week and it was the Power 5 Schools Class of 2018 offers according to our database. Now, I saw this stolen by so many people. Luckily, Blair had the presence of mind to uh, put rivals.com database in there because this was lifted and stolen by so many people so uh did either of you guys see this uh graphic I saw that- it. yeah iowa state doing work man but nick did you see it no okay so i thought we could play a little uh game here to go with it uh <laughs> rob i know you saw iowa state was number one uh, by a lot. <laughs> yeah, by a lot. 388 offers, which guess what? I wrote probably stories on 50 of those kids during the Rivals Camp Series as I was out and about. Um, Nick, if you had to guess who was number two in most verbal offers issued, uh, according to the Rivals.com database, who would you pick? I, I'm going to uh, – I'll just say I'll just say somebody like uh, Mississippi State. Oh, Mississippi State number five with 305. Rob, do you know who number two is? I think I remember. Maybe not. Wasn't Louisville kicking around there? <laughs> yes, Louisville, 340. So uh, we'll round out the top five. Rutgers, 325. Syracuse, 323. Mississippi State, 305. So uh, it, 
I always wonder, like, I sort of feel bad for the kids who have offers. I imagine if those are your five offers <laughs> um, and you see this graphic, you can't feel good about yourself, right? Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, and, you know, we joke about it down here in Florida that there's something called the South Florida Starter Pack that every prospect gets his junior year. And it's usually Louisville. You know, you get your West Virginia in there. You get your... uh you get your Iowa State, and then you get your like Howard and your Bethune Cookman, and then you kind of grow from there. Uh, <laughs> the South Florida Starter Pact in full effect. Yeah, oftentimes the one that we see the most, uh, at least up here in the Atlanta area uh, and into Tennessee, is the Tennessee, Ole Miss, Kentucky trifecta. And uh, Tennessee comes in at number eight. They've offered 284 people. Kentucky, number nine with 276, and Ole Miss, number six with 291. Now, why I wanted to bring this up, and we'll continue the game in a minute. Wait, a wait, I have people, a question. Did did the do the service academies not factor into that? Because I feel like I feel like no, every, no, this is Power Five. Oh, only. Power Five. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the no Kentucky Christian on the list. Oh uh, yeah, boy, <laughs> that would be through the roof. <laughs> Jeez, I don't want to think about that. Well, so the the reason I brought it up was because we hear these fans now will say, "Oh, I don't care what his ranking is. I just looked at his offer list." Well. I mean, when you've got Michigan offering 215, LSU 217, Florida 237, Georgia 272, I mean, can you really look at the – and people think we should factor that into rankings. How can we they factor – They only think we should factor it in when it benefits them. When it doesn't benefit them, we should not factor it in because, you know, you just ranked them high because Alabama. But, you know, if the kid's committed to them, then it's like, you know, they want it both ways. Yeah, and people will think, oh, Alabama's stingy. Alabama offered 215 people, the same amount as Maryland, so number 22 overall, tied for 22 with Michigan and and Maryland. So uh, now if we had to guess who was the stingiest, uh, I'm not sure if you saw this, Rob, but we'll start with you, Nick. Who do you think, which school issued the least amount of offers? Uh, a power five? Um this is relatively logical, Nick. You should be able to figure this out. I is it? I, I feel. I feel like it should be like one of the, maybe like a private school though. Like you're, uh, you're on. The, you're on the case. It, I'm gonna st- maybe Duke or Vanderbilt. Uh, no, Duke seems like it would be a good one, but they offer a lot of players. One sixty six for Duke, number forty three. Stanford has only Stanford. offered thirty two players. Yeah. Um, right ahead. Of, right. Right ahead of them, well, North. What do you think? What do you think is the number is higher on Duke offers, which were how many? 166 or generic motivational quotes from that assistant coach on Twitter in the last <laughs> oh my month. Gosh. No, no, no. Oh, in the last month. No, yeah. if it was in the psych for the class of 2018, yeah, it would be that coach, uh, whatever his name is, which, which we're trying, we're efforting to get Quincy on the podcast next week. And boy, I'm, it's going to be an entire episode of him ranting. We should uh, get both of them on. I should try to get our boy from Duke on too and ask him what's, I mean, he's published a book of inspirational quotes, I mean, we could have him on to plug his ridiculous book. <laughs> You're right. You probably, you probably could get it, but I think that would make some. It would be funny because he'd probably end up hanging up on us and quitting the interview. But it would still be funny. Uh, Nick, the reason why I brought up Texas, number sixty-two. They've only given out eighty-seven offers. Can you believe that? Uh, yeah, I can believe that. Actually, what what do you think is? And I'm sure you hear this. We hear this a lot from handlers who are who are mad about. You know why, and and especially in big cities, if you're in Nashville and Atlanta, and you see Tennessee offering 284 and Georgia offering 272, and they don't offer your kid, you're wondering, you know, and the kid's got 10 other SEC offers, you can definitely see why they get mad. Texas A&M's only offered 92, so if we look at in the state of Texas, it seems like everybody's pretty stingy. Baylor's only 120, Texas Tech only 128. Why do you think a TCU 160? So all of our women are in the bottom third the percentage there why do you think that is nick well in texas's case i mean i i don't know i can't speak to how confident they were um coming coming into taking over there but there had to be some level of self-awareness that they knew that there was a new energy around the program they knew that uh, a lot of people were going to be interested in you know rethinking what they thought about texas from a you know from an outsider's perspective after the past couple of seasons with Charlie Strong there. So uh, they probably, there was probably some level of measurement in terms of, we don't want to, we don't want to get too, we don't want to go too overboard 
uh, offering because if you look at their class now, I mean, they've really got a lot of the higher end guys in the state. Um, and if they felt good about being able to get those guys before actually giving them an offer, they didn't want to offer too many other people before, you know, taking, taking up those spots in the class. I mean, I know obviously you could pull offers and all that. Um, but that would be, that would be my guess as far as Texas is concerned. TCU is TCU is more patient in general. Uh, even though we've seen them make a, make an effort in like Louisiana and start to start to branch out a little bit more, uh, just generally speaking, they, they've been a little bit more patient. I think, I think Texas A&M is, uh, done a, done a nice job considering the, you know, the narrative that everybody talks about with, uh, coach Sumlin's situation. And, and maybe that's played into things a little bit. I think everybody's just kind of had like a, you know, their own set of circumstances to kind of contend with before, you know, getting a little too crazy with the offers. Also, also the level, you know, the, the level of competition between all those schools in the state is maybe a little bit different with, you know, all the SEC schools uh, competing for the same kids against each other where there's more. Team I, have a th- I have a theory. Would you like to hear my theory? Yeah. It's probably, it's probably better than mine. <laughs> um, my theory is as followed, at least in Texas's case and Baylor's case. And I think the IMG thing is maybe a microcosm of it. They are very concerned with what high school coaches in the state of Texas think. That's clear. That's why they're grandstanding against IMG. It's why they do a lot of the things that they're doing is because they want to impress the high school coaches that are their lifeblood, which I do not blame them. I think an extension of that is probably not offering as many out-of-state prospects because they don't want to make the high school coaches in Texas mad. So they intentionally limit that number to guys they know they're A, not going to get, or B, don't necessarily want. And that's why you see the shrinking numbers from at least those two schools. It seems like people are walking on eggshells, at least the new guys around the Texas high school coaches. And that's maybe why those numbers are so small. Well, when you look at when you look at Baylor, though, specifically, how many offers did you say Baylor put out? Uh, Baylor's only put out 120, which is 56 out of 65. But that's but among the Texas schools, where do they sit? That's that's higher um, than that's behind TCU and Texas Tech, but ahead of uh, that's more than Texas A&M and Texas. Yeah, because like a because like a, a Texas Tech and an SMU. I mean those those schools. See, I think are... it's a Texas wide issue though. I mean these high school coaches seem like they down there at least seem like they really need well, to be coddled. Well, the point well, that they're all gonna... in the bottom twenty. That's what I'm saying. They're all in the bottom third. Yeah, I think that's I, the reason. But I mean, when you're talking about the the piece of pie specifically relating to Texas, I mean the reason the reason the Baylor's up there a little bit higher just behind two other schools is because. Uh, you know, Joey McGuire flat out. I mean, he's, he's the, he's like the face of high school football coaching, heading into a college coaching staff here in the state. They obviously have a lot of spots they need to replenish. So I think he's been a little bit more proactive, uh, specifically with the, with the Baylor staff than some of the yeah, other I think schools. We're having two different conversations here. Do you think, I guess my question is, do you think that they're scared to throw out a whole bunch of offers out of state because the hand, maybe not even the handlers in this case, the high school coaches in Texas get so butthurt when these schools recruit out of state and it's supposed to be Texas, Texas, Texas. And this is why there's this anti IMG movement down there. And it seems like it's all kind of being driven down there. So maybe the numbers as a whole from all of the Texas schools are suppressed like that. Because there are not as many out-of-state offers. Maybe somebody could go in and do the research, and maybe I will before the next episode and write something on it. But I suspect that that has something to do with it. No, I, I bet. I mean, I'm sure that's right. I'm just, I'm just saying of the schools within Texas, the reason Baylor's been a little bit more, a little higher than than some of the other programs is because they're a little, you know, McGuire, McGuire's connection to to players and coaches, you know, so much more fresh than some of the other staff uh, assistants at, at other schools. That, that's why they've been out in front a little bit more is all I'm saying within the state word. All right. Hot that boy turned into a hot topic after all uh, <laughs> coming right out of the gate, talking hard recruiding news. That's what we, that's what uh, I hear that's people like. This podcast like. has always been all about. <laughs> it's hips and hard recruiting news. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, we want to talk about Tennessee, the Vols, uh, very loyal listeners over there at VolQuest.com, both fans of me and Rob. <laughs> <laughs> um, they get a huge commitment. They they get Trey Dean. Last, this was last night, I guess, uh, on Wednesday. This will be coming out on a Friday. The number 174 player in the country. And this was a guy that surprised – I mean, kind of came out of nowhere. It was interesting. It was interesting because everyone assumed he was headed to Georgia. I mean, for the longest time, he was a lock. I mean, I think if you ask the, the Georgia media – the Georgia Bulldogs – Media mafia, as I like to refer to them here in the Atlanta area, he was a, a stone cold lock. Now I'm sure they never wanted him to begin with, if I had to guess. Uh, yeah. what the, you know, probably off field issues. Yeah, yeah, not a good family. Um, but you know, we we love Trey. I love his personality. He once told me uh, 
interestingly enough that because he, he was kind of a quiet kid and then all of a sudden next thing you know he came to the he came to the camp in charlotte was really yapping quite a bit and uh it was being pretty funny and and i asked him i said man you're talking a lot today and he was like i have i have to be like this now because i'm from a school he's basically said i'm from a school that doesn't have a lot of players nobody knows who i am so i got to come out here and make everybody notice me uh which which i thought was you know, pretty interesting. But if we look at uh, the story that Chad wrote 11 days ago, trading will not commit in July is the headline. He came out and said, you know, I've decided to wait and postpone my decision. I'm not ready. I'll probably commit the first half of my season. And then Chad mentions here, uh, after competing at the Rivals five-star challenge, he's visited Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and Texas. All those schools are still being considered as is Florida, Florida State, and others. So think about it. Chad wrote this story 11 days ago, and Tennessee wasn't in the mix. He ends up going up there, taking a visit, falls in love, and then decides to commit You know, shortly thereafter. So I think it's worth noting that Tennessee did a good job of closing on him. I do think, you know, given his personality, we're going to see a lot more from him. But now all of a sudden, we look at the team recruiting rankings. Tennessee's number four in the country. Can you guys – I mean, did you guys think he was that high? They – you know, it's not like – you know, I didn't think that – They'd shoot up that high, obviously, but it's not like they've been recruiting poorly under Butch, you know? Um, it's kind of a, I guess it's the continuation of a trend, and maybe it's more pressure on Butch now, right? Because it's definitely time to win, and it has been for, for some time. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked about this. We've kind of beat the dead horse, but Tennessee, you know, <laughs> a 20 commits, so they're maxed out, but even their star average is at 3.45. I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon when the, the rankings are updated. I don't think they have any guys making you know, big jumps in the rankings. Uh, spoiler alert, I guess I should say. We haven't had the meetings yet, but at least... Yeah, you, you, know, never, you never know who's going to be pushed on you, though. Uh-oh, here comes, <laughs> here comes more sirens at the Cassidy house. <laughs> yeah, boy, jeez. There's a fire. Ten, ten, Tennessee recruiting is on fire. <laughs> um, you know, there's nothing I can do. I live in a very uh, highly, you know, urban, uh, not-so-great area. I've gotten used to the ambulances drive by my house a lot, and I've gotten uh, used to it when I first moved in. I really hated it. They were because it was often at six a.m. They'd be coming by in the morning. I um, enjoy the low flying helicopters, and that usually happens at night during like some they're trying to track down perps, and that doesn't happen during the podcast. I really hope that one day it does happen because that really you know it shakes the whole place. Yeah. Well. It, anyway, getting back to the Vols, they're doing a great job. Twenty commits, as I mentioned, one five star, eight four stars, and ten three stars. We've seen in the past with them kind of try to push for higher rank guys as they move along in the cycle. I'm trying to think if they have any surefire locks out there. They've only got a few spots left. I mean, with twenty guys committed, I think uh, Jerome Carvin is a guy to watch uh, going forward. So I'd keep an eye on him if you're a Tennessee fan. So moving on. Uh, speaking of the recruiting rankings. Tennessee number four, Oregon now number five with 21 commits, 10 four-stars, 11 three-stars. They actually have a higher star average uh, than the Vols, uh, but are less in the team rankings formula, which I don't really know how that works. That's the question for Greg Ladke. But, Nick, you were gone, and all of a sudden the, the entire state of Texas moved to Eugene. Is that right? Is that what happened? Welcome to my life. Uh, <laughs> some of them did. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, they, or, or as, as I'm sure you're uh, familiar with, Oregon just had a uh, pretty big camp there called Saturday Night Live where a number of guys uh, from Texas and other states came out to participate and get a look at, at the school up close and the program. And, um, you know, the three guys that committed from Texas are uh, 2019 wide receiver R.J. Henderson. And, you know, I guess, uh, and the other two are Miles Battle and uh, Verone McKinley, who are two 2018 four stars, uh, a wide receiver and a cornerback. But the interesting one is really Henderson because, you know, it was just it was just in February he went out there. To, he went out to Norman for Oklahoma's like first Junior Day event. Um, him and Theo Wees committed on the spot just a couple weeks later. They decommitted. Bob Stoops steps down. Henderson keeps a top four of of Oregon, Texas, uh, Texas A and M, and Oklahoma. And I, you know, and, and we saw him at Prime 21. And I said, you know, I said, why are you rushing back into this? He, you know, you want to talk about verbal offers. I mean, he had, if we're, if we're to believe, you know, everything that he put out there, he had so many verbal offers uh, and he just went right back into it. And I said, what's the rush? And he goes, there's no rush. And, uh, and here he goes committing uh, to Oregon in similar fashion to how he did in Oklahoma. So I'll be interested to see if, if that sticks, because you guys really don't seem to think that the, 
<laughs> the traveling uh, from 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 faraway states is is something that most commits uh, most kids try to do when it comes possible. to Oregon. So. Florida to Oregon is different. It's like you can get to London in the amount of time that you can get out there to to Oregon. Texas is a little bit different, at least. Yeah. And, you know, now I can't even come off it. Even if I get close to signing day and I start to think. Uh, you know, maybe they're going to get all these kids. I've dug in so hard against it that I'm pretty well screwed, right? I, I've got to be the, the guy that says they're all going to decommit. Well, I, I, I wish uh, <laughs> I wish the Oregon fans even cared or listened to the show, but it would make it much more you know, Dispensaries. It would make it much more fun. Um, I was trying to pull up. Who else did they get, Nick? Miles Battle and, and somebody else. I'm yeah. having some technical difficulties over here. Yeah, uh, Verone McKinley. So both of those guys are four stars. Uh, Battle from the Houston area. Uh, McKinley from the Dallas area. McKinley was looking at three West Coast schools, primarily between UCLA, Washington, and Oregon. Penn State was in the mix, but he hadn't visited those schools. He'd only visited uh, the Pacific North Northwest, and I, I think he was at UCLA earlier in the process. But, I mean... You know, the, or, or Oregon is really in a situation. I, I, I mean, truthfully, you know, Battle and McKinley, I, I pro- I'm probably a little bit higher on those guys than than where you'll see elsewhere. Um, but they're but they're all around the same kind of ranking range. I'm just, you know, we're just probably the highest on them. So, you know, those guys m- might be a little bit. If if they if they were committed to one of the power programs within the state, um, people might think that they would be a little bit of a reach. Um, but as far as Oregon's situation is concerned, where you're trying to rebuild, replenish, re, you know, restore um, in Seth Rollins fashion, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like um, that. But you know, th- these these are the sorts of guys that, at least on paper, you know, when you look at their recruiting class coming, you know, coming into the fall, that really helps bolster, you know, what their profile with with other kids that they're still in the mix with and guys that they're trying to keep in that class through the fall. So, and, and guys that I think are worthy of an opportunity at a school like Oregon, you know, that has the potential to be one of the top programs in the nation once they get everything back in order. Well, if we look at it, you, Rob mentioned Texas is different than Florida. And I agree with that. I mean, I think we've talked about it before when they had a lot of success, it was built on the back of guys from Texas. The Darren Thomas was from Texas. LaMichael James was from Texas. A couple other guys that they, they put in the NFL were, were from Texas. Uh, they've got they got those two commits that you mentioned. They've got three from Florida, one from North Carolina, one from Pennsylvania, one from Washington, one from Georgia. So I think the the interesting thing we have is these are guys that maybe are getting overlooked. I think those are the guys that it's worth taking a chance on, and we'll hope that they hit because you know oftentimes <laughs> we hear players down in the southeast, and I think Rob would agree with this. A lot of these guys, if they went to the Pac-12, and I'm not just saying Oregon specifically would have a lot more success than trying to come and battle for playing time in the SEC. You, would you say that's fair, Rob? Yeah, I think so. I mean, definitely right now, especially, and, you know, competition aside, and I'm not going to sit here and say the Pac-12 is so much worse. I don't know that that's necessarily it. it. It may not be as deep, but that's a different conversation. It's also the size thing. I think you can get away with being a smaller defensive back or even a smaller linebacker in the Pac-12 because the style of play is a little bit different, right? You don't have these big hulking guys. You know, it seems like the wide receivers out there are a little bit smaller. The defensive backs have had success are a little bit smaller. Now, maybe a little bit of that is perception, uh, but, you know, it's certainly the perception out there. I, I haven't dug into the numbers there, but it seems that way on the surface. And I guess looks can be deceiving, but that's how it seems to me anyway. I think well, I think battle, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that Henderson stays committed, the 2019 guy we were talking about earlier. But I, I think I think battle specifically, if, if we're going to, you know, if we're going to give the Oregon fans something to get really excited about, I think he could potentially be a really good player uh, in that offense for that for that team going forward, regardless of what happens with the other two guys. So I think I think no matter no matter what the opinion, the what the universal opinion is of, of those guys, battle is definitely a dude for them to be excited about and work into the offense. What a great last name. Yeah. Yeah. They, and they got a bunch of other, they got a ton of commits over the weekend. So check out our Oregon rivals site. Now you can find that Oregon.rivals.com If you want to read about it, see some of the big commits they've been able to get uh, out of that big recruiting event, which, you know, I think we're seeing some of the smarter schools kind of put together one marquee event like that and, and have success. Um, Nick, it was. It seemed like you went on vacation, and every single player from the state of Texas uh, committed at least a highly ranked one. Uh, who else are we missing here that we maybe didn't talk about that went to a, to well, a big program? At least that was of note. Yeah, yeah. No, the the, fir- the first day that I left, uh, Jalen Green, who 
is just outside of the Rivals 100 now, but is definitely going to be within the Rivals 100 after these next rankings calls. He committed to Texas. That was expected. Uh, Brennan Eagles, you know, a, a high four-star receiver committed to uh, Texas as well shortly thereafter. Both of those are kind of non-surprises. Um, but four-star receiver Caleb Chapman, as well as uh, Rivals 100 wide receiver Jalen Preston, both committed to Texas A&M. Chapman is a guy uh, that I like a lot. And I think uh, I think kind of suffers from, um, you know, just <laughs> maybe some stereotypes of, uh, you know, him just being a white receiver, uh, even though he's like a legit six, four, six, five. He I mean, every, every time I've gone to see this guy play, it's one handed catch after one handed catch. He runs fluid with speed. Everybody knows how good Jalen Preston is. Uh, to, so to get those guys in the class is huge. We talked about the guys that went to Oregon. Um, let me see. Let me think of who else. Uh, well, let's let's look. We're look at the state rankings. Uh, you mentioned Eagles committing, and then uh, Green. Mm-hmm. That's two of the top ten players in the state. Now I don't know where you had Trent Irwin ranked. Um, <laughs> that was I didn't have a white wide receiver. <laughs> that was a white wide receiver joke for uh, those of you <laughs> scoring yeah. at home, um, who we ranked as a five star, which I think he's struggled to live up to that so far. Hey, I would when say. you say we, it's nobody on this podcast. That's right. Well, I can't remember. I might have voted yes because I think I, think I, I voted yes. I, I 100% know I voted yes, but I'm not the one that right, for a vote. Right. Well, that was your uh, – which we'll address later in the show, some of your your socialist tendencies. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean, Nick, if, if you mentioned Green's going to move up? Anthony Cook, are we kind of projecting him to Texas right now too? Or what do, what do we have? He's down to his final three. I know that, right? Well, I mean, every, everybody in Texas thinks he's going to Texas, obviously. Um, you know, okay, I, so if they get him, that's the top four players in the state. I mean, could, well, they, well, could what, they be recruiting any better, as Chandler Bing would say? The more realistic situation, regardless of what happens with Anthony Cook, is that they definitely get Deshaun Jameson at Texas, who was also at the Rivals uh, 105 Star Challenge and was very impressive. Um, you know, and if they do that, then you're talking about having Caden Stearns, BJ Foster, Green, uh, DeMarvian Overshone, um, then Deshaun Jameson. I mean, they've, that's, that's five or six, uh, defensive backs in that class that are, um, you know, among the top, even, even if they miss out on Anthony Cook, they really can't be that upset with what they came away with in this class. And it's way more in the, on the defensive back front than a lot of schools are doing uh, in their classes this year, even a Texas Tech who seems to only recruit uh, defensive backs and wide receivers. So, you know, I still think Anthony Cook, there's, there's a strong possibility that Ohio State has always been in the picture. And, um, and he told me at the, at the five-star challenge, he's not planning on committing until or announcing his commitment until the Army All-American game. You know, we obviously we hear guys tell us that they're going to commit a certain day and then just pop off with a commitment out of nowhere. And he's down to a top three. Um, you know, I, I I think if Ohio State does really, really well this season and uh, Texas is, you know, Texas seems like a crowded house with a with a program that's not going to win quite as quickly. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Could the house be more crowded? It's, it's a crowded <laughs> house out there. I'm telling you. Hey, now. Well, it's could the house be any more crowded? That was, was that another religion. Chandler Bing reference? I'm not. Yeah, there's been a lot of friends reruns being on when I stopped watching shows on the DVR as of late. So uh, I apologize for that. So anyway, everyone in the state of Texas committed. Nick can now go on vacation for the rest of the year, per uh, my Twitter feed. So well, oh, and, um, and Tay Barber, four star commitment uh, ahead, to TCU. Uh, as soon as I got off the plane, found out he was committing, got that uh, story and video done in a, in a pinch, and then. Uh, this weekend, uh, another another big commitment, possibly to an Oklahoma or a Texas A&M. We will have to see. All right. That wraps up our discussion on the uh, flurry of Texas commits. Now it's time to move on. It's time for the Tweet of the Week. <laughs> I don't know why Rob did that. <laughs> you subtweet people all the time. You're nothing but an embarrassment. <laughs> I have no idea why you did that. Um Anyway, Nick, did you listen to last week's episode where we started it and Rob immediately like slams his bag down on the counter? <laughs> uh, no. What, I, I think this goes under the rants and recommendations. It's uh, only like in the first 30 <laughs> seconds of the podcast. And I go, Rob immediately starts making noise. That's pretty impressive. Uh, I think I slammed my bag down on the counter because I was in the closet. No, we were in person at IMG. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Now it's time for the tweet of the week. Um, we now I had several options, of course, as usual. I decided to go 
uh, unless you guys, I'm assuming you guys don't have any. Um, I decided to go with Arkansas running back commit. Jer- I think it's Jeremy Gibson. I just want to make sure because, of course, he doesn't have his name anywhere on <laughs> his Twitter. Full Reaper 13. <laughs> he has his, his name is number, uh, number seven, and his Twitter handle is at underscore J underscore AY underscore. And it says God first. Uh, and then he has a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> colon 6.19 1.22 wheelchair emoji so uh there's <laughs> as one does that's pretty standard uh it is jeremy gibson uh, arkansas running back commit so he tweets on july 31st wonder what make people think it's okay to be social media gangster and uh, which is okay i don't know and then uh you know obviously one of his followers replies uh, her name is uh, Kaja K A I J H A A A. Unforgettable piece of art. It says in her uh, Twitter bio. She says somebody has to do it. If not, social media gangsters in quotes wouldn't exist. At which point uh, Jeremy replies, "You right." <laughs> my my takeaway my takeaway from this is that you know how we did that quiz sometime last month where we did a war novel or a Twitter handle. Yeah, I want to do Twitter handle or random letters and emojis I put together <laughs> and see how you guys do on that. Okay, yeah, you could do that for next. Prep that, prep that like you did last time. We'll do another game show which uh, okay. people seem to enjoy. So anyway, that's the tweet of the week. Jeremy Gibson, Arkansas commit. Uh, you can follow him if you heard all those underscores. Uh, <laughs> that I threw together earlier. So now it's time for uh, rants and recommendations. And we have a first, we have to, we have to uh, address an issue. Rob, we got some feedback this week from a listener who said uh, they were tired of your socialist rants. (laughs) (laughs) Really? You know, I'm not like a part of Rose emoji Twitter. I mean, I would say that I skew left. I don't think that's a, uh, I don't think that's a secret. Anybody listening to this, but I socialist, I have not been called that before. Yeah, so so we'll see if your rant is socialist. Well, what do you think that they're targeting here? Like, if you had to guess, why do you think they've assumed that I'm a socialist? I don't know, but uh, the it was after you gave the airline rant was uh, when we got the socialist complaint. So hold so. on, where where when you say this feedback, where do you get this feedback? How come I never see it? <laughs> yeah, well, listen, various forms of social media. We'll put it that way. I actually got this one on Snapchat. So uh, on my uh, work Snapchat, which you can be at rivals Woody. So. Um, this all sounds very shady. It seems like fake news to me. <laughs> well, I should have screenshotted, I guess. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'll save my rant for last because it involves a uh, it involves uh, someone who signed the Declaration of Independence. Uh, you know, not directly, but we'll talk about it. I do have a recommendation, which I believe Nick would uh, co-sign this one. I watched the movie Dope on uh, Netflix which is uh, kind of a day-in-the-life situation, a classic scenario of uh, some nerdy kids getting in over their head and hijinks ensue, takes place in L.A. I really enjoyed it. Nick, uh, would you you say the same? That would be a, a must-watch on Netflix for everybody? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that gets a big thumbs up from us. Now, I know we were talking about Chandler Bing earlier. My second recommendation, not Bing cherries, Rainier cherries are in season, and boy, oh, boy, have you guys had any yet? Nick, you were just in Washington. Did you have any Rainier cherries while you were there? I I definitely had cherries. Yeah, yeah, probably. What color were they? Were they red? Were they? Yeah. Wait, wait. Which ones are the? Rainier which ones are, are the like color? yellowish, yellowish color? Oh no, no, no! I didn't have those. <laughs> you want to talk about cherries, Rob? Have you ever? Are you familiar with Rainier cherries? I couldn't be any more familiar with Rainier cherries. <laughs> Now, me being a native Southern Pacific Northwest, I thought everybody had access to rainier cherries. We even had a tree at our house, uh, which, you know, you'd be battling birds to get some some crops there. But very, I highly recommend it. You can find it at Publix here in the Atlanta area. I think about six bucks for a pound. I got some for four, $4 for a pound and I ate an entire pound of cherries in one sitting uh, last week. So must get. You must have some. They're sweet. They're sweeter than Bing cherries. I can't even describe what makes them so good, but they're delicious. Get them while they're in season, because guess what? They're limited. It's a lim- it's limited, uh, limited time only. So, 
Rob, uh, you've got a rant here you want to talk about? Let's go. First, I want to lead with my recommendation, which is actually this week the Communist Manifesto. Um, (laughs) I want to tell you guys about you know the the benefits of a society where where pay is split equal. Uh, We can get into that later. Actually, Uncle Carl, uh, friend. Oh, go ahead. Friend of the show, Uncle Carl, when I was in uh, New Jersey for the wedding. Uh, the night before the wedding at the uh, JCC had some type of uh, trivia game he had cooked up. And and <laughs> I believe the answers to two of the questions, which were, it was a music category. And he was like, what was the actual meaning to, to, to uh, John Lennon's imagine? Or, you know, what was the inspiration? And he said it was the communist, it was a communist manifest. That's which, a, we talk about a conspiracy theory. Well, which was two different, which he took as fact for the trivia situation. So, uh, communist manifesto. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, if you want to get mad at socialists, take it over with John Lennon, not with me. <laughs> okay, go ahead, rant now. So yeah, it's not really a rant as much as it's just kind of a story. Uh, so I did that over under thing on the site where I took the Vegas number and picked over the wins or under the wins for every team, every power five team in the country. And you know, I had some various people in my mentions telling me you know, I'm an idiot and I responded to them. Well, you know, you can really bet on this stuff instead of telling me you're, I'm a moron if I'm so wrong, you know, bet money. Uh, anyway, so this Rutgers guy jumps in my mentions and he's yelling at me. And then he informs me that he has bet $15,000 on Rutgers to go over two and a half no, three and a half wins. Now, I don't care what people do with their money, but how rich do you have to be to bet on a school that lost nine games, $15,000 that lost nine games in a row last season? I mean, a nine game losing streak to still be like, all right, I'm still going to put 15 grand in the hands of Rutgers football. I mean, you got to either be like an offshore investor or a neurosurgeon. Oh, wait, so you're saying all wealth should be spread equally among people? Yes, Is that what you're saying? 100%. Back, let me tell you about chapter three of the Communist Manifesto. Uh, it must be three because the guy, or maybe it is three and a half. He, the guy you're talking about, who, by the way, I've blocked on Twitter or pre- previous to this interaction, which means he's probably trouble and he probably didn't actually set this, make this bet. All people online tell the truth about everything. I trust him. I'm guessing if he bet $15,000 on a New Jersey based team, it's got to be DJ Pauly D. That lost nine games in a row last season. Now, Uncle Carl may be in the mix as he uh, lives up there, up there as well. So, no, maybe Uncle, so Uncle Carl is a socialist and he has $15,000 to possibly bet? No, he's not a socialist. He just is well aware of people spreading the communist manifesto such as yourself. Yeah, so. Of course, yes. You know. Uh, all right. So that's Rob's rant. Yeah. Wait, 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 what, what do you win? What? What do you win on a on a fifteen thousand dollar bet? Well, it depends the what the odds for. are. I mean, you know, it, it, I didn't I'll look. look you know, if if it's even money or not, um, Woody can look. Uh, but while Woody looks, you know, I'm going to tell you about the equal spread of wealth and you know how that could benefit society if we would do away with capitalism. Well, <laughs> did you find a lot it? Of jokes, jokes about this. Uh, well, they're 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 thirty and a half point underdogs in their first game against Washington. So it's not, uh, boy, it's going to be a tough one right out of the gate for them uh, for the old Scarlet Knights. Actually, I met a guy on a plane. I sat next to him. He was a big Rutgers fan. He he often emails me to tell me when they get commit. Still to this day, uh, I wish I could remember his name off the top of my head. But anyway, I can't find the I can't find it's the nice number. That they I'm have not kind of a skilled. Uh, yeah, as Eric Winter, our uh, former boss, told me, I'm, I'm not a sharp. He's only hiring sharps uh, for his new business <laughs> venture. So if you're a sharp who listens to this podcast, hit up Eric Winter on Twitter. We should have told the Rutgers uh, guy. You know, he acted like, you know, I, I had taken hallucinogenic drugs to think that it's possible that a school that lost nine games in a row last year might underachieve this season. Well, okay. Nick, you got anything on your end? Uh, just on the subject of, uh, quick Netflix recommendations, I suggest watching Ozark, as I mentioned to, to you earlier. I think that's a pretty everyone, good show. Everyone's talking about this. I have not seen it. I don't even know what the plot is. I assume it's about the Lake of the Ozarks and like toothless methods. Uh, um, well, not quite a little bit. It, it sort of is. I mean, it, it's, there's definitely some, uh, breaking bad, uh, overtones type things to it but i mean breaking bad is over so if you want your fix on that sort of thing just watch ozark well basically uh, let me someone who's never watched a second of it summarize it uh our boy jay our boy jason bateman uh gets into some trouble with the uh with the with the drug cartel in a money laundering situation is that right nick and then he flees to the 
this Ozark area to try to do it? Is that is that does that sum it up? Uh, I mean, kind kind of. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's basically it's every man gets in trouble with the criminals and hijinks ensue. Right? As somebody who's been to the Lake of the Ozarks on several occasions, I can tell you that that area there's a lot of good, uh, probably a lot of good television script writing uh, centered around methamphetamines right. and Ozarks. Must be, must be nice uh, making several trips up to the. the well, you can remember, you know, I lived in Kansas for seven years. So it's, it I have no it's idea not, where the Ozarks are. You could have said they were in Colorado. You could have said they were in Pennsylvania. So I have no uh, concept of where I uh, fly over country, as we call it, right, Nick? <laughs> anyway my... I, I, I recently drove through arkansas you know to get to memphis so so the over for rutgers here i'm looking at it right now so it, it, the under is the underdog uh it's plus 105 the over is minus 135 so that means if this guy bet 15 grand uh the payout would be less than that yeah it'd be like 12 it would be, grand. oh yeah one eleven eleven point one one grand yeah, so not oh. uh, not not bad, but not a not much value on that bet considering the the upside. Now well, I wish the guy good luck. Yeah, good luck to good luck to him. That guy who I blocked on Twitter. Uh, I had an incident today. You guys will be shocked to find out. Yeah. Uh, I recently acquired a desk at the new Oath Atlanta office, which is home to uh, AOL and Yahoo, as we have merged into one company. Oath Colon. Oath Colon, as Rob likes to call it, uh, our new employer, and. You know, the, the problem is, as Nick would say, at our old office, where there was about eight people and about 500 desks, we could duck into a conference room anytime. We actually filmed the signing day show there one year. So whenever I get a phone call, there's plenty of places to go. Problem is, the new oath office, it's, it's actually full of people. So there's not a whole lot of available conference rooms and everything. So uh, we were having a conference call earlier today. I said, well, I'll just duck out in the hallway. I mean, the way this is set up, imagine it's set up with four corners. Each corner has an office, uh, you know, a, a major place. Oath is in one corner. Uh, actually, Oath takes up half, I believe, half of the four corners. And then there's another business down at the other end. So so I'm sitting in the middle in front of an empty door. And I'm just sitting there while while we're all talking on the phone. And at some point, some guy comes out and he says, uh, he's in a suit and comes out from a business, uh, you know, named after one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, <laughs> uh, mentioned in the movie Tommy Boy. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you figure it out on your own. And, and, and says, hey, what are you doing? And I said, I'm on a conference call. And he goes, okay. And then turns around and walks off. Well, 15 minutes later, you know, here come two toughs. Dressed in suits, who then informed Street me, tops. who informed me that that I needed to that they've received several complaints, and I need that you're not allowed to be out in the hallway. And, and I said, well, luckily I was on the conference call because uh, you can imagine I probably would have said something, you know, inappropriate to these. <laughs> I may have got kicked out of the building right around my fired second, yeah, fired from my job as well. I say, I'll go back in the office. I go back in the office. Well, 30 minutes later, uh, Wendy, new friend of the show who uh, runs the office there, comes up to me and says, hey, I got, I got an email, you guys, uh, from the security saying that there was someone sprawled out in the hallway <laughs> making oh a bunch gosh. of noise. <laughs> I said, yeah, that was me, allegedly sprawled out. So now this guy who works at, uh, you know, said company not herbie hancock <laughs> which i called it several di several different names as i was ranting in the office which my uh, fellow oath employees which uh people who just met me for the first time earlier this week got to hear me rant in person live he made a very good Boy, impression on these charged. people so I went down to the said office to see what the situation was. Not only, there's no possible way they could have ever heard me talking on the phone because they have a door. That, that, first of all, from where I was sitting, it's at least 40 feet away. Okay, then there's a thick glass door, which a lot of you have seen. Then there's a, a, a hallway and another door, which you have to enter before you get in the office. So I'm separated by 40 feet and two thick doors. And this is a high rise thing in midtown Atlanta. We're up on the, you know, 18th floor here. This is not, you know, some rinky dink uh, office situation. So now the question is, 
what happens when I see our boy from, uh, you know, to- not Thomas Jefferson, but <laughs> a similar signature. He sounds like a real Benedict Arnold is what he yeah. sounds like. <laughs> well, the only way to send, settle this is to put you guys on the McGregor Mayweather undercard. I almost put a, I almost put a stop snitching note on their door. Uh <laughs> Like a post-it note, just to see what would happen, but I decided against it. So anyway, you're the best adult there is. I have no idea what this company does. Could you tell me what it does? You guys both know what I'm talking about. I think it's like mutual. I don't mean mutual fund. I don't know what it does. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean it's probably just. Like, How many well, times have you seen the commercial during sporting events, and we have no idea what it does? How's that for brand recognition? I know they are. They are a, or at least at a time, were a prominent New York Yankees sponsor, which uh, makes me not like them much. Well, but I'm saying like, <laughs> let me see, people who signed, the, not George Washington, I'm trying to think of who else signed the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> this Benjamin one, Franklin? It's no surprise that the person who brazenly signed with the largest font, way bigger than everyone else, who nobody even knows who he was, then has a company that's running amok right now. In the, <laughs> in the, <laughs> one employee told on Woody the company is now running amok. <laughs> Well, so what? So so wait a second. Wait a second. So he just he just like opened the door, saw you there, and felt the need to complain. Is that is that basically? Yeah, he walked out. He walked down to me, asked me what I was doing. Yeah. I said I said I'm on a conference call. Yeah. He said okay. He turned and walked off. Then he called and snitched. How do you know it was him? Like, who else could it have been? There was nobody else. Wait, it have... sounds circumstantial at best, though. You know, nah. if this was in front of a jury, no, 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 no. You have a hard time proving. There's no, there's no question it was him. If he, if he asked him, if he asked Woody who it was to just even to start, most people would have just saw Woody there and just kept on walking. I'm just the saying that, that if we asked... set up a jury trial here, it'd be hard to get a conviction. I wish sure. I could take more shots at them, but I told, I promised Erica, another friend of the show who works in the office, that I would not mention their name specifically. So it wasn't Edward Rutledge. You know, Edward Rutledge, 26, the youngest signer of the Declaration of Independence. You have Wikipedia pulled up right now? Yes, that, I Back do. in those days, that was like a solid 45 years old lifespan. Well, Franklin was 70. Think about it. 70 years old. Wow. Yeah, you want to talk about a survivor. I mean, and you're, you're battling all kinds of diseases at that point that are now defunct. Yeah, Matthew Thornton, uh, who I went to high school with, College Grove High School, big shout. He works there as a teacher. <laughs> William Williams. Who would have thought that he signed it? Jeez. Uh, um, anyway, all right, that wraps it up. This is a long. Ep- uh, I don't know how long we are because we had to no, stop. No, no, no. About right, about forty-nine minutes, fifty minutes. All right. So uh, we want to remind you: please leave us an iTunes review, unless uh, you work for the aforementioned company uh, that we talked about earlier, or Woody uh, has threatened you in the past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. First of all, he he started it. Am I right? Or am I right? I still well, am not convinced that this is our guy, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> there could have been a second no, snitch. No, no, no. The, the security people saying several people complained is total. That's total track covering. That's witness protection. That's that's all that yeah. is. It was one person. The turnaround was too quick. I mean, think about how long it takes for security to get up there. At least a, a, a five to ten minute turnaround. There's no way multiple people complained about, especially in the game of telephone, as it was determined that you were sprawled out in the hallway, which obviously you wouldn't do. Uh, that, I mean, that's a no. He would. This is a, this is. A, <laughs> well. Guess what? If I need to sprawl out, I had a hard workout today. I mean, what, define sprawled. What would you decide? I can lay on the ground in the hallway. Of it. Yeah. Were, were you your stomach or your, on your, on your stomach or your back? Were you laying down? <laughs> At some point, yes, I was laying on my stomach. <laughs> oh wait, you were laying down in the hallway? Oh, no, man. I wasn't blocking the hallway. You have to understand that there was an entrance to it, a vacant place. A so you were, lay, you were laying down in the hallway, though. Yeah, this guy comes out in a suit, and what were you wearing? <laughs> I may have been wearing athleisure uh, <laughs> Athleisure yeah, shorts you, you laying down in a hallway person. Person. I, said that, I said that I was defending you and defending you and <laughs> defending you Wait for the facts of the case to come out Now it looks unbelievable <laughs> well, you, that, So you're saying it's okay for him to judge me By the clothes that I'm wearing yeah, I'm on this I'm guy's sprawl? team for sure yeah, That was not professional makes a difference for sure Yeah well guess what he's about to find out What's not professional decorum <laughs> Put it that way. Now, hey, listen, real quick, uh, we need to move off this topic before more evidence surfaces <laughs> incriminates <laughs> me. Uh, we got a new review on iTunes, which I forgot to mention earlier. 
from Dawson HBK. He gives us five stars. Big shout to Dawson. He says, yes, this podcast has a southeastern slant to its coverage, but when the three hosts discuss national topics, they always provide great takes on off-discussed issues. The guys are personable and generally knowledgeable. They could discuss more in depth about their work at Rivals and those infamous rankings meetings, but when it's commitment talk, it's a great listen. So, hey, and he's got an HP here. in his name, so I think he may be a wrestling fan. So big ups to him for that. If so, I'll I'll, I'll give him I'll give him a little more uh, background into the rankings calls. It's a lot of burps and toilet flushes. Oh jeez, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think it's a sad? It's almost like listening to a to a wacky radio show in the morning. A lot uh, of Fruit Loops being consumed. Yeah, weenie, a weenie in the butt situation. A lot where, of different yeah. accents too, man. When you get Chad going with the Southern draw, and then you've got your Farrell, and it sounds like a Philadelphia accent from Gorney, and then whatever, Josh, I, whatever Josh I bring to the a, table. You yeah. have a New York accent. Josh has a Midwest accent. Whereas Nick and I, I guess what we speak uh, dialect free. So I'm pretty close. To us, to, I'm Nick, pretty close to dialect. Free. I think I'm pretty close to dialect free. You say Florida, like, <laughs> say like my mom. You definitely have. <laughs> You'd probably say Italy also. I never, I've never uh, quizzed you on it privately, but uh, yeah, that's your, di- your dead giveaway is when you say Florida. Yeah, well, whatever. We all have our in, things in the own state. In the own state. Well, people often get on me for saying milk instead of milk. Uh, so I would say that would be mine. Nick's is uh, I don't know what. I don't like when people say, "Oh, well, I say everything the right way." That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Look, man, only one of us here is a force brawler, and it's not me. So thanks to Dawson for leaving the review. As I said, we will be running a promotion. I just need to find a prize if you uh, think of a prize. I've got a bunch of crap from Media Days and stuff that people might like. It's all kind of I'd like to give like a subscription, maybe a subscription to Rivals or something. I've got this really sweet old Big 12 alarm clock that's actually really nice that I have. You're always trying to pawn off junk from your house. (laughs) <laughs> we'll give you the option some of Rob's garbage that uh, he needs to throw away or uh, a subscription to Rival so leave yeah, us a review the is nice Rob have a yard sale Ooh, yeah, yeah I really should it's just that's a not odd brand Rob you should just give away your things uh, to other p- people in, in uh, communist fashion yeah, 100% <laughs> <laughs> anyway that wraps it up for us M Deuce uh, you can find on SoundCloud M-Deuce, uh, go ahead and play us out with some of that uh, West Coast uh, rider music. Play us out, comrade.